I love uh, your building and I love your music and I love your passion. I look forward to coming and just so, uh, because I appreciate their friendship and love being with them, I have uh, memory after memory after memory of how much fun you can have uh, serving God. Uh, it's just, I mean, it, it, their story, it, only the story shall be told, hallelujah, that one day on the northern shore, uh, the Lord's going to go sit down and go, uh, Pastor David, tell a few stories. And the, all of he- all of heaven... All of heaven will rejoice and we'll go, dear Lord, that was our pastor. And I love your building. I was just blown away when we, I drove up. I thought, look what God has done for you guys. How wonderful. And just as Pastor Scarlett says, gosh, we've known each other for 40 years and literally did tons of meetings years ago. And I can remember memory after memory after memory of bold preaching about Jesus. Not about tradition, not about religion, but Jesus. Yeah. And, uh, you know, nothing cuts through more than lifting up Him and honoring Him. And these songs you sing, I love hearing songs about Jesus. Rhonda, thank you for coming. Brother yeah. Greg, thank you for coming. I don't want to hear whining songs, begging songs. I want, I want to hear songs that honor Him and magnify Him. There's nothing more proper than lifting Him up and glorifying His name. Hallelujah. And you know, you've communicated by coming this morning that you love Him. So, He'll strengthen you. He'll bless you. He'll lift yes. you up. He'll change you. Everything about Him lifts you up. You, you can't stay the same when you hang out with Jesus. You know, you know, the Bible says, in His presence is fullness of joy. He called Himself the oil of gladness. Isn't that amazing? Uh, you look that up, it means the life of the party. I mean, bless His heart, He's never been portrayed that. He's been portrayed as, you know, no, he, He's the happy one. He's, he's, you can tell when people have been hanging out with him because you're, you're full of joy. I hear all these prayers go, I, you know, I've been praying a lot. No, you haven't. You'd be happy if you're praying. Come on. Amen. You can't stay the same hanging out with Jesus. And what a time where we need to know the Word. Uh, such a bizarre time right before the coming of the Lord. How wonderful to have the technology to show us all these things that are happening that point to His return. How blessed are we? Isn't it amazing? There's more verses written about what it would look like just before He comes so we'd have a heads up. Isn't that sweet of him to go, okay, now this is what it's going to look like so you can tell I'm about to come back to the planet. And the whole purpose of all we're going to get into in these next few services is he loves you so much. He wants you encouraged. He even said, don't be downtrodden. He said, you could be living right before the coming of the Lord. He said, lift up your heads. So he doesn't want you downtrodden. He wants you happy. Paul wrote about the rapture so you'd be happy and hopeful. Hallelujah. Amen. So there is only good news for the church. We were talking about when I was there with you in Panama City. You were like, oh Lord, you were kind of dreading hearing about end times. And there's, there, there, uh, is the truth, you know, because what's, what's been preached is so much not, yeah, it's, it's not Bible. There is no bad news for you and I. Amen. If you hear end time preached and it scares you, it's not Bible. Let me say that again. If you hear end time preached and it scares you, it's not Bible. Because all the bad stuff is after we leave. And man, thank thank you, Jesus. He's coming back for us. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, he said there'd be some times that would be interesting. Uh, he called it perilous times. And if you look in Matthew 24, he said it would be like contractions. He said there'd be things coming on the earth that would be so severe you can't ignore them. But it's not the tribulation. I mean, how many of you ladies, when you went into contractions, did you just blow it off? No, I hope when the contractions come, you go, it's time to go to the hospital. So it's just a wake-up call for the earth that there's an entrance for the king. We'll get into all that. We'll get into what it looks like. We're just so blessed to have verse after verse after verse to show us what it looks like just before he comes. The consensus has been you can't tell when the Lord's coming back. Well, actually, you can if you can read. 
That'd be like saying, I can't tell when I'm going to get to Tampa. Is it about 30 miles from Tampa from here? What if the sign says 20 miles? Sign says 15 miles? Sign says 10 miles? You don't freak out and go, I'm never going to get to Tampa. No, the signs are telling you you're headed toward Tampa. So the Bible is so clear about the signs that would be happening in the earth that point to His return so you can lift up your head and go, wow, I'm about to meet Jesus face to face. What an amazing event. All of a sudden, eyes as a flame of fire, feet like undefined brass, voice of many waters, King of kings, Lord of lords, bright and morning star, lily of the valley, firstborn from the dead, the brightness of the glory of God. We're, we're about to see Him. The shepherd and the bishop of our souls. Wow. I don't know what the protocol is all of a sudden go from faith to sight, but we might as well get that in our thinking because we're about to go from faith to sight. Hallelujah. Thank God we're not moved by what we feel, not moved by what we see. We're moved by what the Word says about us. But man, there's coming a day where we're going to get to be moved by what we see. We're going to see Him. Hallelujah. And uh, you know, Colleen sends her greetings from Tulsa. She's back in T-Town. She's going to come meet me later in the week. Our daughter and son-in-law and my grandson are just down in Orlando, so I get to go see them. TUC, so blessed. Uh, so happy, so praise the Lord. Amen. Man, I'm glad you came today. It's exciting to all of a sudden know you're about to see Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, the consensus has been you can't tell when the Lord's coming back. Well, we're going to kind of kick that out of the water so we can see where we are and see how close we are. Why would we want to know? People go, well, why would you want to preach on the coming of the Lord? I had one famous evangelist go, Joe, if you preach on the coming of the Lord, you just get everybody's hopes up. Duh, that's exactly right. It's called the hope that purifies you even as you're pure. Tell a quarterback in the last two minutes of a game, don't show me the play clock. No, you look at the play clock because the plays are more crucial. The closer you get to the end, the intensity changes. Just like in a race, the last lap of a race, man, the car, you take chances when the white flag comes out, man, you're, everybody's standing up, this is it, the last lap. We're going to look at things today that show us where we are so we can tell exactly how close we are to the coming of the Lord. Now, I can't give you the exact date, but just as Pastor Scarlett said, you know, preaching overseas for years on end times in the Bible schools, they couldn't get Jack Van Impey or, or, or uh, some of these other guys, so they sent crazy Uncle Joe. <laughs> so over the years, the Lord kind of made me get into end times. I always liked it, and then he told me to preach on end times in 87. I said, I don't want to do that. And he said, it doesn't matter what you want to do. It's what you're supposed to do. <laughs> so... It seems like the last 10 or 15 years, every invitation is end times, end times, end times. Now, why would that be a big deal? Because there's two things he said not to be misinformed about. The coming of the Lord and gifts of the Spirit. Why? Right before the coming of the Lord, the church will have an outflow mentality. You know how to get the power to you by using your faith, using the Word. We should be getting it through us. Amen? We have to turn into a vessel mentality right here before we leave. So we're, we're just blessed. I think, is it okay to come down here, doctor? I'm just so happy to be with you. I feel so at home. It's hard for me to even find a landing spot, but we'll, we'll get there here in a second. Last week I was in Iowa. Uh, I had a word of knowledge that someone had uh, whiplash. A little 13-year-old boy had been, fell on a skateboard, came down. Uh, I, I just called out and he was healed. After the service, he followed me for 30 minutes. He said, no, you don't understand. I couldn't move my neck. I said, hey, you're healed. Good, 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 buddy. Just excited. One lady said, I told the Lord all day today, I know he's not going to call out what's wrong with me. I know he's gonna, not going to call out what's wrong with me. I know, I know he's not going to do it. I'm getting ready to walk off the platform. The Lord said, someone's got your sinuses burned. That lady came up to me afterwards. She said, all day today, I said, I know he's not going to call out what's wrong with me. Obviously, that's not faith. Amen. <laughs> Look at the mercy of God. I was in South Carolina and I was preaching in a church and at the end of the service, I had a word of knowledge that someone had damage, uh, carpal tunnel syndrome and someone had damage in their knees. And then I said, there's someone here, you got severed inside your nose. 
And uh, I called it out and said, you're healed, no big deal. This guy, probably almost seven foot five, come walking down. He said, hey, can I say something? I was like, oh, Jesus, help me. Here we go. He goes, <laughs> he goes, my knees are healed. My arms are healed. My wife had just had brain surgery. They went up through her nose and severed the inside of her nose while they were trying to get to her, her place there. And she said, he said, I text her. She just texted me back. I can breathe perfectly. The inside of my nose is healed. So you don't even have to be in the service. God's, God's so cool. You don't even have to be there and get healed. He's just good. He's just so, he's extremely, extremely good. So let's go, let's go look at some verses. Let's pray and we get right into the Word. We've got a lot to get into. And a lot of times we, we get going really fast, but we got more than one service. So we'll, we'll get into all the stuff about the rapture, the second coming. We'll get into how we can tell how close we are. Cause it's blatant, it's obvious, it's precise. So let's pray. Father, thank you for your Word today. Thank you for blessing everyone that came. Thank you for what you have for us this season just before you return. I thank you for great strength. Great strength of heart, great boldness for every believer in this room. Lord, we take you at your word this morning. We we trust you. We're redeemed from the curse of the law. Greater is he that's in us than he is in this world. I thank you for divine strength this morning as we see different facets of you, Jesus. Father, help us see Jesus high and lifted up with his train filling the temple. Lord, be exalted and magnified in this room. We thank you for it and we glorify you. When it comes to these truths, Lord, we thank you for all of these truths that point to an amazing return of God to the earth. So Jesus, Jesus be magnified. Jesus be glorified. Jesus be exalted in this room. We thank you for it, Father. In Jesus' wonderful name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Go, go if you would over to Second Peter and we'll start here. And we'll just look at the climate before the coming of the Lord. Then we'll get into the signs of how close we are. Because he's very methodical about this. Because think about this. Paul talked about the baptism 12 times. Coming of the Lord 52 times. For every one verse there is about the first coming of the Lord, there's eight times more about the second coming. There's more verses dedicated to what the earth would look like just before he comes than anything in the Bible. Now the devil hates that. Because it's prophecy. <laughs> so we'll get into all this. Go to Second Peter, if you would, or First Peter or Second Peter. We'll pick out one here. I don't know which one we're going to yet, but we'll find one. How's that? No, go to Second Peter and we'll start here. Look at chapter 1 of Second Peter. Actually, go to chapter 3 of Second Peter. Second Peter chapter 3. I think I told the, the lady the wrong one. I'm sorry. Second Peter chapter 3, look at verse 1. This second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you, in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance... So notice he called you, oh thank you sir, notice he called you his beloved. Notice the tone changes from the gospels to the epistles. Now I'm going to say something that's supernaturally critical to understanding end times. You can't get your rapture doctrine from the gospels. You get your second coming doctrine from the gospels. Because if you do, it'll mess you up. You'll think you don't qualify. Like the ten virgins. Everybody preaches you've got to have oil in your lamp. He's not talking to the church there, he's talking to Jewish boys there. I don't need oil in my lamp because in this dispensation, I'm Him. Amen. Would Jesus need oil in His lamp? No, He wouldn't need oil in His lamp, okay? Now that freaks people out when you say that, but the rules change after the resurrection. You have to look at end times with new rules by, by, by in creation realities because you're not trying to get God's approval. You already have His approval. Amen. He's already presented you holy, unblameable, and unreprovable in His sight. So He's not mad at you, not frustrated with you. He loves you. He's looking at you through corrective lenses and they're stained in the blood of Jesus. He sees you perfect this morning. Man, it has nothing to do with what we've done. has everything to do with what He has done. Amen? So let's look at this. He calls us His beloved here. And go to the next verse there in verse 2. 
that you'd be mindful of the words that were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandments of us, the apostles, the Lord and Savior. Knowing this first, they'll come in the last days, scoffers walking after their own lusts. He said, saying, where is the promise of His coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. So He gives you the climate. There'll be people scoffing, going, ah, where is the promise of His coming? You can even hear it in the church now. Oh, we've been hearing that all of our lives. Well, you've been hearing that because He's coming. (laughs) Well, He said the climate would be like that, but they forgot about something. Look at the next verse, verse 5. For this they wittingly are ignorant that by the Word of God the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of the water and in the water. In other words, the flood came when they didn't believe the flood was going to come. So change came when no one believed a change was coming. You can feel that now. I, mean, I think COVID has kind of woke people up to uh, that change is coming. But Jesus is coming back. Can you imagine the tone of Noah on the ark? I wonder what he taught on leadership. No, I don't think so. I thought I imagine there was an urgency about Noah's preaching. And then when the animals lined up, they probably said, hmm, something's up. I mean, I can't even get my dog to get in my truck, much less to get a, a boatload of animals to climb onto a boat. Come on, think about it. So something supernatural started happening. The animals started lining up. I'd have gone, hmm, something's up. I need to pay attention to what Noah's saying. So so change came when no one believed it. And, and Jesus even said the, the climate of the second coming would be the same. That people are like, ah, there's not, change is not coming, but change is coming. Jesus is coming back. We're so blessed. The Holy Ghost, all throughout the book of Acts, He came and died and God raised Him from the dead and He's coming back again. It's a doctrine. He said, you do show His death until He comes. Now we know the last day started when Jesus came. We know uh, when the Holy Spirit was poured out, it was the last day. So that was 2,000 years ago. We're living in the last of the last of the last of the last days right now. Let's look at why we get into this. This is so cool. Go over to Isaiah. Grab your Bibles there. Go over to Isaiah. And we'll get into a few verses here before we get to the signs that will kind of set up where we're going. And I won't preach all day because I want you to come back tonight. Remember John Osteen said, He who preaches short shall be heard again. Praise the Lord. (laughs) Now my mother in 1970, she got baptized in the Holy Ghost. We started going here at Kenneth Hagin in 1970. We drove from, from Louisiana, Shreveport, to Houston, to John Osteen's church, seven hours to go to church. I hear people go, well, I had to go across town to go to church. My mother was so crazy, we drove for seven hours to hear the Word. <laughs> but it gets in you, changes you. You're, you're different when you hang around the Word. Amen? So look at this. Look at Isaiah. This is so cool. This is why we get into this. You say, well, why, sh- why should we know about end times? What, what's the difference? It's going to happen anyway. Well, watch how he wants us to have a heads up. Look what he says in Isaiah chapter 46. Look at verse 9. It's page 818 if you got a Bible like mine. Isaiah 46, look at verse 9. Remember the former things of old. I'm God, there's none else. I'm God, there's none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning, and from the ancient times things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure. So this is the this is my translation of that. He said, this is how you can tell I'm God. I'm going to tell you what's going to happen before it happens. That's why the devil hates prophecy. It brings authenticity to the Bible. No other book can give you future. You can talk to a Muslim, you can talk to a Buddhist, their book doesn't give you future. This is the only book that gives you future. Ezekiel prophesied the very year Israel will be reestablished as a nation. Gabriel told Daniel the year Jesus would come the first time. They should have been out by the tomb. Three, two, one, here he comes. But they weren't paying attention. Just like if you're not paying attention now, Jesus is about to come back and half the church is so busy in their own thing, don't even realize he's about to come back. Well, the rapture of the church is not an ending, it's a beginning. I hear people go, well, I don't want the Lord to come back because i got so much in my heart. Of course you do, you're going to live forever. The rapture is not an ending, it's a beginning. 
you're tasting of the powers of the world to come. You have a whole thousand years you're going to be operating with Jesus on the earth for a thousand years in a glorified body. Man, I'm excited about that glorified body, aren't you? Never to gain weight again? Come on. Never get tired again? Hallelujah. My weight is perfect. I'm just not the right height. <laughs> so I, I'm really looking forward. Seriously, it is. if I was 6'3", everything would be just right. But notice how God's so cool. <laughs> we, I know I keep, I, my number keeps moving up, but anyway. We're so blessed, though, that he would say, okay, this is what brings authenticity to the Bible. I'm going to tell you what's going to happen before it happens. Listen to this. This is a lot of info, but buckle up for just a second. Let me read to you the first ten names of guys in the Bible, and it will show you how flawless the Bible is. Okay, this is a bunch, but hang with me. Adam means man. Seth means appointed. Enos means mortal. Canaan means sorrow. Mahaliel means the blessed God. Jared means shall come down. Enoch means teaching. Methuselah means his death brings. Lamech means despairing. Noah means rest. Put them all together. Man is appointed mortal with sorrow. The blessed God shall come down teaching that his death brings the despairing rest. Gives you the entire plan of redemption with the first ten names of people in the Bible. Because he said, I'm God. I'll show you what's going to happen before it happens. See, we can trust him. We can take him at his word. Oh, come on. He, he watches over his word to perform it. So the flawlessness of this, once we get into all this, you go, oh my God, your, your faith gets built up because you see how amazing your dad is. He's absolutely amazing. We'll get into stuff that's, that's, all, you're living when all these things are happening right in front of your eyes. So with all of that, go to Luke 21 and let's get into, uh, the signs of the second coming. Now, you know, the signs of the rapture are, are not there because the rapture is signless. Okay? But the second coming has tons of signs. So if we can look at the signs of the second coming and back up about seven or eight years, you can tell you're getting really close to seeing the Lord. I said that pretty fast. I said that pretty fast. But if you can look at the signs of the second coming and back up about seven or eight years, and we'll get into all that. We'll get back into it tonight. We'll look at Daniel's 70th week. We'll look at stuff that shows us how flawless it is because it's super easy to understand once you get into it. Super easy to understand. That went over real good. Good night, everybody. Drive safely. Come on. Start the car. I'll be right there. Come on. No, no, we're blessed. Uh, the Bible says we're blessed when we read the book of Revelation. Now, some people say, well, I can't understand the book of Revelation. Well, you're not here for the majority of it. It's a left-behind book for the Jews. It really is. I'll let that sink in for a minute. Praise the Lord. <laughs> so go to Luke 21. Let's get into this. So cool. So cool. Jesus is going to make this super, super, super clear. Go to Luke 21. Look at verse 24. Jesus says here in verse 24, they'll fall by the edge of the sword and they'll be led away captive unto all nations. And Jerusalem shall be trodden down or overthrown of the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. Now this is pretty crazy. Jesus said, okay, I'm going to tie my return to a city being won back. So kind of a big deal. So it's not just one miracle that happened in Iowa, one miracle that happened in Peru. Uh, Jerusalem is won back. And Jesus said, when you see that, that's the generation I'm coming back. It's pretty crazy. So when did that happen? 1967. Six-day war. See, we're at the end of six days of human history. We're about to enter into the seventh day, the millennial reign of Christ. What happened? Uh, it's called the Six-Day War. Israel's completely surrounded. Uh, you think of all the miracles that happened when Jerusalem was won back. Now remember, everything revolves around Jerusalem. If you live west of Jerusalem, you read left to right. 
If you live east of Jerusalem, you read right to left. Satan wants that spot where Jesus is going to reign forever. Remember he said in the beginning, I'll be like the Most High. I'll ascend to the sides of the north. No, you won't. Well, Lucifer wants that piece of real estate called Jerusalem because that's where Jesus is going to reign forever. You ever sell real estate? It's all about location, location, location. <laughs> now, the devil's so stupid, he puts a mosque in Jerusalem everywhere Jesus did something important. He said, there's a mosque right there, what happened? That's where he was beaten. There's a mosque right there, what happened? That's where he was raised from the dead. There's a mosque right there, that's where the ascension was. The devil's so stupid, he thinks he's going to cover up what the Lord did, but all he did was give you a tour guide. You don't, you don't even have to have someone tell you. Go, something cool must have happened there, something cool must have happened there. Because on the Dome of the Rock in Jerusalem, in the, on, in the mosque, in the Muslim mosque there, it says in, in Arabic, there is no Son of God. There is In a circle, there is no Son of God. There is no Son of God. Why? There is a Son of God. He came and died, and God raised Him from the dead. Yeah. Hallelujah. So, so He tied everything to Jerusalem being won back, and that happened in our lifetime. I mean, the miracles that happened, if you got into it, we'd be here all day. But one of the cool ones, the Egyptian army was barreling down against Jerusalem. 88 tanks. And one Israeli cook, he said, well, if I'm going to die, I'm going to go out in a blaze of glory. This Israeli cook climbs into a tank, figures out how to load the shells into the turret, and starts firing shells at the Egyptian army. A cook! Not a tank battalion guy, a cook! He starts firing shells at the Egyptian army. Next thing you know, the Egyptian commander comes out with a white flag. He said, I'm here to surrender to the highest ranking officer. He goes, I want to see him. And the Israeli cook goes, highest ranking officer is just me. <laughs> he goes, oh, no, it's not just you. The whole night the countryside was filled with tanks with men dressed in white. You've been shelling us all night. We can't take it anymore. Oh, it's called a miracle. Jerusalem was won back. I was in Israel last year. The Saudi Arabian newspaper came out and said, we still don't understand how Israel won the Six-Day War. And they attributed it to those men dressed in white on the front of the tanks. It's called angels. Yeah. I can tell you story after story after story after story where God intervened to get Jerusalem back. Because see, we're, we're on a clock here. So watch what happens. Watch Jesus say something else to make it super clear. That's pretty clear because that's been in our lifetime. Watch Him even get clearer. Look at the next verse in verse 29. Skip down a little bit. He says he's going to speak to them a parable. Now, what's a parable for? To make what he had just said make more sense or get even clearer. So look what he says in verse 29. Look at the fig tree or the nation of Israel. Interesting. You'd have a whole nation could be your timepiece. So they were regathered in our lifetime. In 1948, God brought them all back to their land so he can court her. Colleen and I were dating. She's from Los Angeles. We were dating by text. I thought, man, you can't convey emotion by text, you know? This was really before emojis or whatever. So I moved her from California to Tulsa so we could court and date. God's moved Israel back to the land so He can court her. And He's going to do just like Joseph. He's going to reveal Himself to His brethren at the very end. So He's brought them back to the land. And Jesus said, look at Israel in verse 29. So watch what He says. He gets even clearer. This is crazy. Look what He says in verse 30. When they now shoot forth or bud, you see and know of your own selves that summer our harvest is nigh at hand. He said, you could see this and you could know this. Kenneth Hagin said there'd be a spirit of seeing and knowing on the church just before the coming of the Lord. Where'd that come from? That verse right there. You have an attitude of seeing and knowing. So we're not clueless about this. Go a little further. Watch what he says. Likewise. I like that word likewise. Likewise, when you see these things come to pass, run into the woods and buy a bunch of brownies. No. He said, when you see these things come to pass, no. Circle the word no. When you see these things come to pass, no. Know that the kingdom of God is not at hand. He didn't say wonder. He didn't say sense. 
He didn't say perceive. He said, when you see this, you can know how close you are to the kingdom. Now get ready for the next verse. This is the kicker. You ready? Buckle up. Look at verse 32. Verily I say unto you, this generation. What generation? The one that sees Israel regathered and Jerusalem won back. Sees these things, plural. Those things, and look at verse 32, will not pass away till all is fulfilled. The group of people sees those two events won't pass away till all is fulfilled. I hear people say, I don't like that. It don't matter. (laughs) I hear people say, I'm not comfortable with that. It don't matter. Tag, you're it. Now that's two signs. I'm going to give you 50, but I mean, those are the big ones. That's a pretty big deal. I mean, it's just absolutely flawless. Hang with me for just a second. Just for just a second. 1917. Allenby from Australia comes into the land of Israel. They passed out leaflets. You know, what they used to when they bombed, they passed out leaflets like in World War I, World War II. 1917. Allenby comes into the land of Israel, flies in a biplane. They passed out leaflets. Allenby's coming. Allenby's coming. They didn't know in Arabic that meant a prophet sent from God to deliver you your land. The Turks dropped their weapons. Not a shot was fired. 1917, Kenneth Hagin was born. The Lord appeared to his mother, told him to name him John. She goes, I don't like the name John, I'll name him Kenneth. Don't you love that? Yeah, yeah, whatever. I like, I like this name better. How crazy is that? The Lord told his mother that he'd have a part and get in the earth ready for the second coming. Not everything, but a part. <laughs> you know what Hagin means in the Hebrew? One to go before to prepare people for the coming of the Lord. Identical John definition to John the Baptist. Pretty crazy. I remember there was a lady in Mark Brzee's church a few years ago. She died and they defibrillated her. She went home to be with the Lord. She's writing a book about it now. I guess she's a real normal lady. She goes home to be with the Lord and is in heaven talking to Jesus. She said, look, there's Kenneth Hagin. Jesus said, you mean John? So if your name's supposed to be John, your name's supposed to be John, okay? Now, think about Brother Hagen's ministry. I preached in Rama, Norway. I preached in seven different cities in Switzerland. Lausanne, Geneva, Kur, uh, uh, Zurich, Basel, Langenthal. All because of Kenneth Hagen's teaching the Word. So Quietly sowing the Word. Go to another nation. We preach in Italy, all over Italy. Kenneth Hagen's message, sowing the Word. That we're sticklers for the Word of God. Zero fanfare. Magnifying the Word of God. So by just doing that quietly, all these nations are are ready for the coming of the Lord. We're so privileged. We're so blessed. So this is pretty amazing. This is pretty radical. Watch why Jesus said we should be paying attention to this. He said, likewise. How many of you... I live in Tulsa, man. In the wintertime, the grass gets brown. The trees lose their leaves. It's just dormant. But come spring, the grass changes. The trees start budding. Wouldn't it be weird if one year you said, hey, summer's not coming this year? What? What do you mean? The trees just budded. The grass has turned. Of course summer's coming. The trees are preaching to me there's a temperature change coming. Jesus said likewise. Just as bold as you are about the trees budding, when you see Israel regathered and Jerusalem on back, you can know that you're the generation He's coming back. Now how many of you are bold about spring coming? I've never seen somebody go, there are the trees again. No, summer's not coming this year. Well, of course it is. It come, when you see the trees budding, it communicates to you changes coming. So these are the two big ones. Israel regathered and Jerusalem won back. That's pretty wild. So he said the generation that sees that won't pass away. Now why? Look at the next verse. Look at there, verse 34. Take heed to yourselves, lest at any times your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness and the cares of this life, so that day comes upon you unawares. So you can be living when the two main things happen and be too busy to even comprehend it. Now the Message Bible says, don't let the sharp edge of your expectation get dulled by shopping. I didn't say that. I'm quoting the Message Bible. Okay, hang with me. <laughs> so in other words, you can be so busy, you can be so busy 
that the two main signs are happening, it doesn't even mean anything to you. Jesus said it should preach to you, it should communicate to you, change is coming. Jesus is coming back. Wow. So let's go through the rest of it. we got a lot to cover. Well, I won't preach for a long day, but hang with me. These are the big ones. Israel reestablished and Jerusalem won back. What's the next sign? Hebrew language restored. The Bible says right before the coming of the Lord, God would restore to them a pure language. A hundred years ago, no one spoke Hebrew. Now the whole nation speaks Hebrew. You should Google that. See when that's happened before. Never. Never has there been a language lost and reestablished. only happened in your lifetime. You can't find anybody speaking Hittite. You can't find anybody speaking Amorite. You can't find anybody speaking Canaanite, but you can hear them speaking Hebrew. One of the years I was there, years, gosh, this was years ago, maybe it was 2001, a buddy of mine was making me go see Ariel Sharon. I'm thinking, I'm, I, what am I doing going to see Ariel Sharon? I'm from a small town in Louisiana. I'm a hillbilly. So I was nervous as you go in, because you go into the room, there's gold, pictures of gold in my area, pictures of Ixacra Bean. I mean, all the black and white pictures, there's the leather chairs where you meet the prime minister. So I'm thinking, what in the world am I doing in here? So before they came in, I thought, well, I'll get me a pencil with some Hebrew writing on it. That'd be a cool souvenir. I picked up the pencil and it was made in Iowa. I thought, oh, that's not cool. <laughs> But I could hear them walking down the hall, speaking perfect Hebrew. hundred years ago, no one spoke Hebrew. Now they all do. Because God said, I'll restore that language back to them. When's that happen? Your lifetime. So you got, so you got Israel regathered. You got Jerusalem won back. You got the language restored. What happened after that? Ethiopian Jews brought back. 18,000 Ethiopian Jews airlifted in one day. Because God said, just before the coming of the Lord, I'll bring them back. Man, Israel sent C-130s right down into Ethiopia. 18,000 airlifted. First time ever. The the manifest on the plane says 180 passengers. And when they land, they had 187. Seven babies were born on the plane on the way there. I mean, how crazy is that? What, what do you put on your, your birth certificate? Where were you born? Were you born in Egypt? Were you born in Ethiopia? Just put airborne. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Now, this is the crazy thing. Chuck Roberts on CNN Headline News. Listen to this. CNN Headline News said an exodus that eclipses the book of Exodus. Listen, when CNN starts preaching about what the Lord's doing, you better lift up your heads. He's coming back to the planet. An exodus that eclipses the book of Exodus. That's a pretty good exodus. The walls of the sea were congealed. They walked over on dry land. But in your lifetime, God brought them out of Ethiopia because He said He would do it just before the coming of the Lord. So you got, so you got Israel regathered, you got the language restored, you got the Ethiopian Jews brought back. Here's another one. This, these are all just signs. These are blatant. We're going to get to things that happened a couple weeks ago. We'll get to some things that happened six months ago here in a minute. Crazy in your lifetime. Alright, after that, you, you got the revival of the Roman Empire. A platform for the Antichrist. United States of Europe. They have the woman from the book of Revelation on their money. You can go to the Capitol building and it has all the markings from Nebuchadnezzar all over the wall. They don't even know it. You can look at their Capitol building. You should Google it today. The EU's Capitol building in Strasbourg, France. It's not similar to the Tower of Babel. It's identical to the Tower of Babel. They said, we'll make our own system. We'll make our own way to heaven. No, you won't. Jesus is the only way you can get to heaven. So it's that system. I mean, I, the, last year I preached in Norway. Flew from Norway to Nice. They don't even stamp your passport. It's the United States of Europe. So that platform is for the Antichrist. When did that happen? Your lifetime. So all these little things, you add them all up. you got sign after sign after sign after sign. Why? The Lord's coming back. 
So what does that tell you? It tells you that you're living when he's about to return. This is how you look at it. Like my daughter Lauren, she was a cross-country runner, and she would train every single day, you know, to get your endurance up to where you're built up. I would train with her on my motorcycle. I'd ride right beside her. You're doing great, Lauren. And you know what? She, I would be tireder than her after she ran and I rode. I'd go to all of her cross-country events there on Saturday mornings. I would go and then go preach. I'd get to her cross-country events there three miles. I'd get to the first mile marker. Lauren would come running up. How far, Daddy? How far, Daddy? Lauren, you got two more miles. Pace yourself. I'd cut across the field. I'd get to the next mile marker. She'd come running up. How far, Daddy? How far, Daddy? I'd go, Lauren, you got another mile. Pace yourself. Don't, don't, don't get, you're not there yet. You can do it. You can do it. I'd cut across to the last mile marker. She'd come running up. She'd see the finish line. She wouldn't say a word to me. She saw the finish line and all of a sudden all that training came in. I've been running every single day so I wouldn't be exhausted at the end of this race. He gives us all these signs so you can see the finish line. You don't slow down, you run faster. Could you imagine coming to the finish line? Well, I don't know if that's really the finish line or not. Really? How many signs do you need? Once we go through all of it, I'll preach on this and people will go, well, how long's a generation? I can do the math for you. In the Old Testament, it was 40 years. In our life, it's a lifespan of a man. But if you want to get very technical, which I can get there, this says these are the generations from Adam to Jesus, and it was 55 years. However you do the math, it's us. But I hear people go, well, you can't be bold about that. We'll get through it in more services. Jesus basically told them that day and that hour, no man knows. He was saying, I'm coming back for you on Feast of Trumpets. He was telling them that's a three-day period. He's coming back. We'll get into more of that later because it's kind of amazing that the Lord would tell them exactly what people thought He was saying that you couldn't know gives you an exact three-day period when you would know. The devil's a liar, liar, pants on fire. Because Paul said, you're not in darkness. Paul said, you're not in darkness that that day would overtake you as a thief. Now, i got I got friends that never even opened their Bible. They go, well, you can't tell when the Lord's coming back. I said, whoa, 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 whoa. You've never even opened your Bible and you're going to tell me you can't tell when the Lord's coming back? When there's more verses dedicated to what it would look like? See, the Lord knows exactly what He's doing. Exactly. Like, I'm going to give you sign after sign after sign, after sign, where you don't go, hmm, I had no idea. I mean, the tribulation period is basically fireworks. I mean, water turns to blood. I mean, they're catching fish. We're not catching much anymore. I guess not. The water turned to blood. you got asteroids hitting. I mean, you, last week you had two asteroids come within the earth and the moon, and they saw it after the fact. I'm preaching in Russia on this. It's called wormwood. They gasped when I said the word wormwood. You know what that is? That's the word Chernobyl. So there's seven-year period of fireworks just to get people's attention. You know, in high school, I was dating girls. I had one spot I would take. This is terrible, but anyway, there was a spot. Every date I went on, I went to this one spot. I'd pull over, and I'd open up the trunk of my car, and I would shoot bottle rockets and Roman candles off. So I'd say, you can't say you didn't go out with me and didn't see fireworks. I didn't do it once. It, not very good. <laughs> I did whatever I had to do for them to say they, they saw fireworks when they went out with me. Okay, so the Lord's so sweet and so merciful, we have a seven-year period called the tribulation that we think of it as judgment. Really, it's mercy because some people wait till the very last minute to get saved. Now, don't get mad at me. You ready? Don't get mad. Say, I'm not mad at Joe. The biggest harvest comes in after we leave. Fifty percent of the earth gets saved. At the second coming, one's taken, one's left. That's not the rapture. That's the second coming. The Bible says the harvest is innumerable. 
It can count a 200 million man army, but it can't count the number to get saved during the trib. Why? Because you can't get a much bigger sign than a bunch of people disappearing, and then you got all this other stuff happening. Because God, we think of it as judgment. Really, it's the mercy of God to get people's attention. That's beautiful. We're so blessed. We're so blessed. So let's go through some more. You got all these. You got the revival of the Roman Empire. Pretty amazing. You can look at the building and the art out from the building is, is a molecule of iron because the annual saw iron and clay. So there's tangibleness to all these things. So let's run through a few more. This one's really cool. You have the Temple Mount Institute. It's a, it's a, a group of Jewish men. Their last name's Cohen. They're ready to start having sacrifices. I've been to the Temple Mount Institute many times. You walk in there and you go, oh my God, they have everything they need. They have the menorah. They have all the instruments. They needed the oil of anointing and they found it out where the Dead Sea Scrolls were and they got it uh, in the, uh, done by the, uh, the chemist. And it's says the exact ingredients from the book of Leviticus. So they have everything they need. It's crazy. They're in position. Russia is all over Syria. Nine Russian bases in the nation of Syria. They're in Crimea. Because the Bible says Russia is going to come down on Israel just after the rapture. So Russia's in position. Israel's in position. What's the church doing? The Bible says that just before the coming of the Lord, there'd be a fish in the Dead Sea. Guess when the fish showed up in the Dead Sea? Last year, 2019. So fish in the Dead Sea. Crazy. <laughs> the, the ritual baths around the Temple Mount filled up with water three weeks ago. The Bible says they would be filled right before the coming of the Lord. <laughs> when they get filled up? This last year, three weeks ago. That's 2020. So you got tangible physical things. you got fish in the Dead Sea. you got Russia in position. you got the Israelis. Now listen, these Israelis that are ready to start having sacrifices, they're not even saved. Yet God's moved them into place. If God can move all these other groups into position, what is He doing with the church? The church should be literally on spot in place doing with the will of God just before Jesus comes. Bolder than we've ever been. If these other groups are going to be bold, why not the church be bold? Come on, how dare these other groups get in position they're not even saved yet. Yet God's on the inside of us. Now all these signs are good, we'll run through a few more, but I have a witness in my spirit that Jesus is coming. I don't even need a sign. Don't, don't you feel that in your heart? Well, I'm about to see the Lord. Let's go through a few more because there's a couple that are just crazy cool. I was watching the Animal Planet channel a few years ago. I'm an ESPN kind of guy. I'm watching the Animal Planet channel. And there was an Israeli ornithologist. That's a bird specialist. The only reason I know that, my brother was an ornithologist. Went to college for nine years. My dad said, what did you learn? He said, I learned how to play poker. But anyway, an ornithologist for nine years, bird studying. This Israeli ornithologist said, we don't understand it. It's the largest gathering of predatory birds ever in history. 172 different species start gathering in the land of Israel. She said, we don't understand it. I freaked out. I understand it. Right after the rapture, the Ezekiel 38 war, God calls on the fowl of the air to come clean the land up. Seven years later, you have the battle of Armageddon. He calls on the fowl of the air to clean the land up. You've got the cleanup crew in Israel right now. That's pretty radical. They gotta eat something. 172 different species of predatory birds. So birds are in position. Nations are in position. The Temple Mount Institute's in position. Pretty crazy. You had foxes show up on the Temple Mount this last year. That's from Lamentations 5.18. The Bible says when you see that, you can tell the, the, it's so desolate, the Messiah is about to come. So you got foxes in place, birds in place. Fish in place? What's the church doing? Come Lord Jesus. So how can, how can God get all these groups ready and, and the church is so busy and so occupied that they don't even know they're about to see the king face to face? 
There's so many more. It's blatant. Let's even talk about this. I'm not, I don't normally do this, but hang with me just for a minute because I won't, won't go but a couple more minutes. Hang with me. I don't talk about rabbis very much because you can't really preach on rabbis, but this one rabbi, Ixot Kaduri, 2005, Jesus appears to him. He gets born again. How cool is that? He writes this letter and says, now open this letter a year after I've gone home to be with the Lord because it freaked everybody out. He said, I've come to know that Jesus is the Messiah. Well, the rabbis just flipped out because they, they don't think like that. It'd be like Kenneth Hagin saying, Jesus is not Lord. We'd all go, what? So they freaked out. In one of his writings, he wrote and prophesied that just before the coming of the Messiah, Israel would be ruled by two Benjamins. Four weeks ago, Israel let Benjamin Netanyahu and Benjamin Gantz be co-prime ministers. This guy wrote that down in 2005. Pretty, pretty, pretty crazy. All right, there's a ton more signs. Uh, men will be lovers themselves. We have selfie sticks. <laughs> Who would ever think we'd have a time where, oh, I'll take a few more pictures of me. How weird is that? I was in Los Angeles and this guy had two selfie sticks crossing the road. He's taking pictures of himself. Almost got hit by, almost got hit by a car. How can you be so obsessed with taking photographs of yourself? Unbelievable. That's a sign in itself. It is. It's just crazy. So you have all these things, and when you add them all up, you get sign, 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 sign. Jesus is about to come back. But let's take it one step further for just maybe two or three minutes and let's talk about signals. Because you know, if you're if you're if you're coming from here to Tampa, you've got signs that tell you 30 miles. Once you get into Tampa, you don't need signs telling you the signals. You're there. You got traffic signals. Let's talk about signals for just a couple minutes because this is a lot of info, but we'll do it real quick, and it's really, really cool. A couple of them are just going to shock us. But what you have? Blood red moons. Pretty radical. Blood red moons a few years ago. Now that's a pretty big deal. <laughs> I used to preach on it. I had the big posters behind me, you know, and uh, gave the timelines and all that. And come the month of the first blood red moon, I was in Grosbeck, Texas, in March of that year, praying. Praying in my hotel room, praying in tongues. Praying to see the Tata Magradana. I praying out April to see, April to see, April to see. I thought, well, man, what? I started calling everybody. What are we going to see in April? But I've been preaching on the blood red moons coming. The first one's coming in April. Been preaching on it for years. So that April of that year, Colleen and I got out in the backyard. I built an outdoor fire. Man, it was cold April of that year. All of a sudden, man, the moon turned bright red. And the Lord said, I told you you'd see in April. I said, that's what you were talking about? He said, I made the moon turn blood red on the day my son died for you. Is that not good enough? I preach on it and I wanted more fanfare. So... You had blood red moons when? Passover, tabernacles. Passover is when he died for us. Tabernacles is when the second coming is going to be. He's going to come back and tabernacle with men. So the heavens are going, I died for you, coming back. Died for you, coming back. Pretty radical. Four in a row. When's the last time you had four blood red moons in a row on Passover and tabernacles? NASA calls it a tetrad. When's the last time you had four in a row? 1967 when Jerusalem was won back. 1948 when Israel's made a nation. 1492, when the Jews were kicked out of Spain, the Edict of Expulsion. What happened? Columbus sailed the ocean blue, 1492, to find a safe harbor for the Jews. God raised up America to be a holding place for them before they went back to their land. So you had blood red moons coinciding with some pretty big deals. So people say, well, nothing happens. It's not supposed to. They're indicators. Just like when you turn your blinker on, you're about to turn. They're indicators that something's coming. What's coming? Jesus is coming back. Let's talk about another one real quick because I'll get to the last one. Uh, the Bethlehem Star, pretty crazy. 
Now what happened at the Bethlehem Star? Remember when Jesus was born? Uh, the Magi came like 700 miles by camel. My buddies, if we did a motorcycle ride, they'd say, so we're going to go see three planets come together. It better be over the top. I'm going to ride 700 miles. This better be pretty serious. So they get there, 700 mile ride, Jupiter, Regulus, Venus came together. Jupiter is a king planet. <laughs> Regulus, regal, king planet. Venus, men are from Mars, women from Venus. Venus is a mother planet. All three of them came together at the birth of Jesus. The constellation was Virgo. Last year, NBC Nightly News, Lester Holt said we have a celestial event. Regulus, Jupiter, and Venus coming together. I said, man, that's the Bethlehem star. First time in 2,000 years. What was the constellation? Leo, he's the lion of the tribe of Judah. Pretty radical. You had Mercury do a flyby of the sun, went down directly over the Temple Mount at sundown. Planets formed a sickle, moon formed a sickle, Orion changed his instrument to hammer, he had hammer and sickle on the same day. Russia's symbol. This next one, okay, just just don't shoot the messenger, okay? This is just information. Everybody with me? Say don't shoot Joe. <laughs> Alright, now hang with me. This one's gonna get you. We'll, we'll close right now. We'll come back tonight. This is this one's crazy. Alright, you know, President Trump, midway through President Trump's presidency. There was a blood red moon, wolf moon, super moon on January 21st. I was preaching in Birmingham, Alabama, Scott Webb. The wolf moon, super moon, blood moon. Wow. Midway, exactly midpoint of Trump's presidency. When President Trump was born, there was a blood red moon. 700 days later, Israel's made a nation. When Trump was elected, Benjamin Netanyahu had been in office seven years, seven months, seven days. When Trump was inaugurated, he was 70 years old, seven months, seven days. Moved the embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem after 70 years. Okay, get ready for this. We know Jesus is coming back on Feast of Trumpets. You say the name of our president and our vice president, Trump Pence. That means the coming of the Lord. You can't get a pretty much bigger signal than that. Could you imagine 30 years ago? Oh, by the way, right before the coming of the Lord, the president of America and the vice president's name is going to mean the coming of the Lord? Wow, giddy up. I mean, it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. Jesus is just about to come. I don't know how much fanfare you need. I, don't know how, I mean, I do have a helmet that has a siren on it, and sometimes I bring that because you feel like you need it, you know. But I don't know what I need to do. It's like it's almost like uh, Jesus said there hadn't been a greater uh, prophet than John ever was or will be. He was a burning and a shining light. And Jesus said, uh, think about what Jesus said. The least in the kingdom of God's got more anointing than John the Baptist. So God's raised up you, the believer, to be a voice. Amen. I love John the Baptist, but John was 2,000 years ago. So God raised you up to, to be a voice. Jesus is about to come. And all of this, tons of information, is because He loves you. He loves you. He wants you strengthened. He wants you encouraged. He wants you blessed. He wants you excited. Could you imagine Colleen and I? This is the whole purpose of this meeting right now. Colleen and I were getting married. Here we go. I'm watching my, my bride-to-be come walking down the aisle, and she's all bent over like this, and she goes, oh my God, I'm marrying that guy. Another one bites the dust. Are you kidding me? No, I wouldn't want my bride-to-be walking down the aisle thinking like that. How many of you are excited the night before your wedding? If you weren't, you may have made a mistake. Come on. So the Lord actually wants you excited walking down that aisle. And the church is like this. No, He said, lift up your heads. Your redemption is drawing nigh. 
So let me just tell you, the rapture is such a secret appearance and we go to meet Him in the air, the second coming, He bodily comes back to the earth. The Bible says the second coming is so violent that the stars don't shine, the heavens fold back, and there's a radiation light that no one's ever seen any light like that before ever. It's so violent that there's no more mountains left. The earth quakes and vibrates so much at the entrance of the king. And we're going to be coming back with him on white horses. So we're an amazing event. So soon we're going to hear the words, come up hither, come up to the throne of God. We'll get us a brand new body. This mortal is going to put on immortality. The stain of Adam is going to be taken off of us. We shall be changed. Soon and very soon, we're going to see the King. Hallelujah. So thank you for coming today. There's tons more you can get into. We'll come back tonight and get into the rapture, get into more things. and uh, Maybe we'll get into the seven sins of Sapphire. I don't know. We might get into that. Just kidding. No. But remember, remember the whole purpose of this. He loves you. He loves you, loves you, loves you. Doesn't want you afraid. Five things about the coming of the Lord. He said, don't be deceived. Don't be troubled. I want you happy. I want you hopeful. And I want you comforted. There is no bad news. In the midst of this, the Bible says it would be right for the coming of the Lord be lack of hunger. Well, you're in church. You've pushed through that lack of hunger and you came to hear the Word. So let's pray. Father, we thank You for these truths. Thank You for these signs that point to how close You're returning. We're in awe that we live in such a wonderful nation, Lord. Thank You for our nation, the United States of America. We, we, we bless our land, Father, the destiny of our nation. We thank You for the Gospel going forth from this land like never before. Satan, we serve You. Notice You can't hinder our nation. You can't harass our nation because we live here. We use our authority because we're citizens and we say great peace in, in America. We thank You for that, Father. And Father, for, for this church, Lord, for Pastor David and Pastor Scarlett, we thank You for their destinies. This season for their life, Lord, may it be a, a season of ease. May it be a season of grace upon their lives. Renewal of assignments. We thank You for it, Father. We give You glory, we give You honor, and we give You praise. We bless Your name, Jesus. We bless Your name. We bless Your name. We bless your name, Jesus. Someone's platelets and their blood are being healed. So just take it. You don't have to come down. Just take it. You're being healed. Your platelets. We thank you for it, Father. Amen. 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 Your platelets are being restored. Amen. Thank you so much, Pastor David. Great to be with you. Great to be with you. You know, I've had the craziest words of knowledge. I saw a woman get poked in the eye one time by a fork. Called it out and her sister poked her down with a fork. I saw two women fighting one time at a meeting. Elderly women up, up in their high 80s and 90s swinging like this. Montgomery, Alabama. I called it out and said, hey, there's two elderly ladies here. You don't need to be fighting. They were in the parking lot. After service, I walked back to the book table. These two sweet ladies go up there and said, we were fighting in the parking lot. I was like, the Lord's so cool. He'll have you make peace with your friends. I was in California. I had a word of knowledge. Someone had damage in their calf. I said, it looks like varicose veins, but it's not varicose veins. It's like someone hit you with a tube before. This man yelled out, damn. He cussed real loud. He goes, that's me. He goes, I got hit by a tube. There were some professional golfers there, and this guy cusses in church. These golfers had never been to a Holy Ghost-type meeting. I just preached the Word. And here this man cusses and gets healed. I've been back to that church. I lived in that church. I've been back to that church. I go, hey, dude. He goes, I, he, goes he shakes his head. He goes, I know I cussed out loud. The Lord's so good, He healed him, and He's cussing in church. Not just cussing, but cussing in church. Let's thank Him for a second, and then we'll go. Lord, we love You. We bless You. We magnify You. We, we lift You up, Jesus. We magnify You, Jesus. We glorify You, Jesus. We thank You for Your kindness and Your mercy and love. We magnify Your mercy today, Jesus. 
Be lifted up, Lord. We are amazed that we're about to see you face to face. King of kings and Lord of lords. Bless you, Jesus. Bless you, bless you. Thank you so much for coming today. We'll come back tonight. We'll have a great time.